Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cracked Up, the podcast where we talk about everything that makes us feel broken, messed up, confused, lost, and I don't know, Randy, help me out. Yeah, we're going to talk about just how hard this life can be and hopefully offer some skills and some tools and ways that we can really thrive. This program is comprised solely of the participants' recollections, stories, and information as told to host and by host during recorded conversation. Any information disclosed about individuals related to the participants, but not a part of this program, is a retelling of the participants' memory. All right, Randy, just me and you today. Um, What do you want to talk about? Mm, Well, today we're going to talk about sex, baby. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. We're going to talk about a little bit more than sex. Don't get too excited. Um, We're going to talk about sex, shame, and self-worth and how they are all very much connected for women. I feel passionate about this topic because a majority of my patients are young women. Um, Myself being a young woman has also kind of gone through some of these things. Uh, I think a lot of young women carry so much shame when it's related to our sexuality, our sexual behavior, our sexual drives. And a lot of our self-worth can sometimes be contingent on that. The amount of suffering I see in this context, I think it's important to have these conversations and maybe change the narrative on what it's what it means to be a sexual being as a woman in today's society. It is very different. You know, like we we do our best not to speak just gender-based man versus woman, but Mm -hmm. I do think there is a very clear difference between a woman's place in society as a sexual being and a man's place in society as a sexual being. No matter if you're gay, straight, bi, um, asexual, allosexual, everything we learned with Priya, right? Um, Check out our our sex positive episode with sex therapist Priya. Men definitely have, generally speaking, a stronger sex drive. Not Mm. stronger. What would you characterize it? Libido, Um, uh, a higher active libido. uh, No, I don't think that's true. You don't? No. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) I think we've all been conditioned as a society to think that men have a higher sex drive. It's actually interesting that I ran into this in the past year. um, And I don't know why it's just a coincidence in the past year, a lot of female patients talk about having a higher sex drive than their male partners. I mean, if we're talking biology, right? Like biologically speaking, yes, naturally born men have a higher primitive sex drive. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like, that's basically what I'm stating. Like I, you know, there's all other factors get that sure. get in the mix, you know, right. and it's not, look, I dated a guy who I definitely had more recently. I definitely had a higher sex drive than, and I was definitely weirded out by it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it happens. It happens all the time. Yeah. So let's focus on the biological evolutionary component of men and women. Men are, have a primitive drive. They have more of that um, need to spread their seed, so to speak, right? So men can, you know, I think it's fair to say that, and I'm reading a book, actually, so this is also why it's kind of on my topic. It's called Your Brain on Birth Control, um, but it's I written by tell a- you, I hate birth control. I hate it that we're expected to be the ones to regulate the spreading of the seed when we're, we're mm-hmm. not the ones spreading the seed. Right. Nope. <laughs> 
Right. So this book was, it's written by a medical doctor. She talks about how men are more sexually opportunistic, which, uh, you know, I think that's real. <laughs> you see that. And there's a comedian, Jared Fried, who talks about it in his stand-up, how women go on dates and we all have the ick, right? We make one excuse. We're like, we're never going to have sex with this guy because, you know, the way he holds his umbrella or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's not even like a, a shithead thing that we're doing, right? Like... I've definitely talked to a dude and I've been self-aware of myself clocking him being like, oh, no, I don't like his nose. I probably won't have sex with him. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's just a natural thing. I don't think it's because I'm an asshole. I think it's just, do I want them inside me? (laughs) Right. And the way that the women, the the doctor in this book talks about the, the men we choose to have sex with is there's a lot more at stake, right? Because if we get pregnant, now we, our body is, you know, it has to carry a baby for nine, for the next nine months. You're giving your body up for two years, right? basically. Exactly. You are like, you won't reclaim yourself for another two years. Right. So there is a primitive biological piece to that where women are more selective in who they're having sex with. And the other side or the the rest of the joke that Jared Freed made was that men don't give a shit. You know, they'll decide on a date if they want to date you or marry you, but they're going to have sex with you regardless. And it's Stick it funny, but <laughs> it's pretty much true. And a lot of men you can speak to will say that. Not all men. There are plenty of men who like to wait. So the, the piece about biology, right? Because there's a lot of this in the world that people are having these conversations about men versus women and our sex drive and what's appropriate and what's not. And I want to focus on the fact that we are evolving as human beings. We are not animals in the wild anymore. And we are now at a place where we are lucky enough to have contraceptives. So if the goal is not for us to procreate as a species only, aren't we allowed as women to be a little bit more sexually liberated and to have more sex and to have more body counts as the general public would call it without the judgment and being labeled as all of these horrific words, because that's where all of this topic leads me is the amount of shame women still carry. And there's, I feel like there's a world of women who are sexually liberated um, from an outside perspective but within the confined walls of their therapy, right, with me, there's still a lot of shame about it. So oh, yeah. much shame. I mean, it's so ingrained in us from the time we were children. So there's going to be like that. That's I call it our early coding. Like every mm-hmm. time I sit in my therapy, it's like, oh, my fucking early coding. It's so hard to break because yeah. and you've said this to me in conversations about other things you carry these things around for however many years you've been alive. And just yeah. now you're approaching it to deconstruct, dismantle it and, and shift it. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of conscious work. So oh, yeah. as sex positive, you know, I, I personally consider myself sex positive. I think you should feel liberated to express yourself however you want sexually as long as you're not harming someone or doing it with a minor. Like Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But with that said, in this world, we live in a world where Roe versus Wade was just taken back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's scary. Half our country, if not more, 
is taking steps back on all this. So it's, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a hard place to be, to be a sex positive lady these days. But, um, I do, I agree with you. I think, I think we have women that are being brave and pushing forward and wanting to do that. And, and it's just this internal battle completely. So as a therapist, how do you work with them? I always say the antidote to shame is sharing these experiences in a safe environment without the judgment. It's kind of like desensitizing yourself to it because a lot of the times we expect other people to judge us, right? We go, I slept with five people and women go, oh my gosh, that's a lot, right? In what world is that a lot? No, (laughs) Right. I'm just being very, very- uh... That's a very conservative example (laughs) there. (laughs) Okay, fine. I was going to say five people this week. No, I just (laughs) – I read this article recently about this girl, and this is actually – why the F is this on like New York Times or whatever? It was like this woman, a young woman, was on vacation and she had sex with X amount of men. And it's like, who cares? Why is that on the cover of a newspaper? Why is that an article? (laughs) As long as she's doing it like – did they Safely. wrap it? Did they keep it? Yeah. Right, right. As long as everyone's safe, who gives a crap? Would there ever be an article about a man that did that? Maybe if it if there was an article, it'd be like, woohoo, almost like he won the he Super Bowl. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would be actually the front cover because it would be a Absolutely. celebration. <laughs> so yeah, there's totally a double standard. And to your point, how long does it take to rewrite these narratives and these subconscious beliefs? God, it takes a it takes long time. It takes a lot of work. I still carry it, right? Like yes. every time, because I can tell you, like anytime I've done a one night stand, afterwards I've been like gone through the waves of, oh my god, I'm a hoe. No, I'm not a hoe. We agreed <laughs> on it. Like it's fine. No, but yeah. what would so and so think of me? Like it's like these oh, waves yeah. of like accepting yourself through it. Absolutely. Meanwhile, my male patients, that is their sole mission on nights that they go out. (laughs) That is literally like, okay, how many numbers did you get? How many women did you sleep with? That is, it's complete opposite sides of the spectrum. So it's it's definitely tough. Um, We talk about religion. Absolutely. There's so many subconscious beliefs. Uh, Not even, those are not subconscious. I'm sorry, I take that back. Those are very conscious. You are you know, supposed to be a, a good girl. You keep your legs closed. You wear long skirts. You know, I, I just think of when my grandmother was still around and we were at her house having a 4th of July party and I came out wearing a short skirt. I was in my 20s and that's how I used to get down with short skirts. Same. I probably still I was do. Right there with you, girl. Oh, yes, you did love those <laughs> short skirts. Anyway, my grandmother looked at me and said, "You, oh my God, you're going to get raped. Oh my I God. Kid you, no, like, because literally, you, that's what you she said. you were tempting the man. Well, that goes back to, please, Bring us back to high school, okay? Because you know I was walking through those hallways dressed in like little baby tees and the tiniest skirts with my big old booty popping. And I, we had, so my sister Megan and I were in a math class together and I didn't, I didn't have the big boobies, but Megan had this large. Oh, I remember. (laughs) That's a beautiful breast. Um, And I had, you know, I've always had long legs. I had my little skirt on. And Miss, who, what was her name? Miss Deppy uh-huh. came up to us one day after class and said, girls, you're going to have to dress differently because you're too much of a distraction for the boys in this class and they oh. can't focus. Oh. I mean, shaming us in the hallway after class. 
because we look like women. Yeah. It's really disturbing. Yeah. That's really disturbing on so many levels because you're shaming you young women and you're also really, really infantilizing young men. Right. Like, and diminishing their own self-control. Absolutely. Like we're treating them like they're animals in the wild. Like, oh, oh, if I see a girl in her skirt, I can't help myself but to pull my pants down and put my penis inside of her. No, we're not lions in the wild. These are human beings. Like we're, that's that's where I get into this whole, you know. 15-year-olds in math class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. Young teenage boys are horny as fuck. No, yes. it, it's like when I look back on that, it infuriates me more than anything because I'm like, how like, how dare you minimize my presence in that classroom as just this slab of meat to distract your little boys with? Like, yeah, no. And that's not even the word infantilizing is not even the correct word for it. It's diminishing a young man's self-control. And a young woman's identity. Sure. It's really messed up. But, you know, I say all this with passion because I still at my age, I'm still actively working through some of these judgments and um, ideas. Like if you sleep with someone on the first night and you said like a a one night stand, and I don't know, I guess that's the same thing. Um, I've always, right. I don't know. I feel like a one night stand is like, you do it once and you never, never do it again. Yeah. But yeah, mind. like, or even just having a relationship just based off of this is for sex, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the situationship that's popular mm-hmm. now, right? Like oh, which, yeah. that has its whole other card of tricks with it that I'm like, eh. um, but with that said, like, yeah, socially we, we grant acceptance to that for men way faster than we do for women, if mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Just, Definitely. just a relationship based off of physical pleasure. Yeah. How dare and it's we? a real thing. Like t- still today, and I've had conversations with men about this, would you judge a woman if she slept with you on the first date? Would you take her seriously? Like all of those things. And the answer is probably not. I wouldn't take her as seriously. Oh, absolutely. I, in fact, I want to hear from our listeners. I want them to write to us and tell us their yes. feeling on that, especially the men. I want to hear, and I yeah. not just would you or wouldn't you take us seriously if we're fucking you on the first date. Mm-hmm. I want to know why. I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want you to do the work for them. I want them to, to sit and think of the why for themselves. I mean, there's so many narratives about women, and I said it before jokingly, like the body count. I remember talking to my therapist because this is going to sound so silly. I really thought I was going to marry the man I lost my virginity to. You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I was with him for 13 years, and it was this fantasy in my mind that really fit the narrative of being a good girl. Like, yeah, that, no, I hear that you. Your girl that everyone wants, you know, that no one gets any of. Like, it's like mm-hmm. there's this oh, weird yeah. idea that, and I had it about other women. And I remember telling my therapist about this when I did start sleeping with other men. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, my numbers are growing. And she's like, why are you so fixated on the numbers? She always used to challenge me, like, oh, who cares? See, when I got to my 30s, I was so embarrassed because I felt my numbers were too too low. Oh, really? <laughs> well, because I Who think, are you trying to keep up with, men? I think, 
No, I think like you, I had always had as a teenager that idea of my worth was predicated on how small my number was, right? Like I wanted to keep my number low and like I would just hook up with dudes, but I would never put out. I just told myself I'm I'm still good. I can get away with not feeling shameful about all this other stuff we're getting pleasure from, which is so absurd. Well, that's why when I go back to the idea that from an evolutionary perspective, the drive is to procreate. That is to ensure the survival of our species. Which is why we clock them right away and are able in our heads to go, "Mm, no, I'm not going to have sex with you tonight. And on a conscious level, we can also say, I will have sex with you now because we have condoms and we have birth control and we have preventative. So if I choose to have sex with you and not procreate because we too get enjoyment from sex, believe it or not, um, isn't that okay? You know, there's some countries and some places in the world that they cut the clit out and they, yes, they really do. Genital mutilation. They cut the clit right out of you. Yep. Yep. Get real. What was it that shifted in you that made you or made you start doing the work? Because like you said, you're still doing the work that made you start doing the work to stop putting so much of your value on how small your number was of sexual partners. Um, mm I, oh, that's a great question. I think as I got older, I realized I did enjoy sex and I really like decoupled my worth being contingent on whether or not I was accepted or yeah, accepted in a relationship, right? Like after the sex. And I've been told this by, not even that long ago by a recent partner. It's like the guy, it was someone I was dating said, Um, a man will always have sex with you. The goal is always to have sex with you, but it's how he feels about you after. And I think one of my patients calls it um, post-cum clarity. So it's like a thing. Yeah. Is that like the moment afterwards where like you just end up telling each other so many truths? (laughs) Well, they, I I guess there's like a vulnerability to it, but the way it was presented to me was post-cum clarity is because you're so sexually driven to, again, it's like biologically spread your seed, right? Mm-hmm. Once that's over and done it with. It blinds you. Yeah. Now, do you want to spend time with this woman? Got it. And that decision is all of us women are going, please, 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 after you ejaculate, do you still want to be with me? Well, then I almost feel like that you should want to have sex sooner than later to know. That's a tough one. I don't know. I I mean, the idea you want to build the relationship up so that they see what it can be. Why are we still selling ourselves to men? Can't we (laughs) do the damn thing? I'm sitting here looking at all the angles as a female, and now I'm like, fuck you. Let's just have sex and get done with it. Right. Let's just get past that stage of your post come clarity and move on. I mean, to be completely transparent, and you probably know this as my best friend for many years, but a lot of my life has been, I, I would say my worth has been contingent on my sexuality. And I've really, really tied my worth to it because I lost my virginity to a person I was with for 13 years. I was very young. I was probably way too young. And I really thought that if he still wants to be with me after sex, then that's the win. Right. And I very often, I'm ashamed to say, but I very often use sex to get his attention. I think we've all been in that situation. And keep his attention. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think 
very early on in romantic relationships because of the way we're raised to feel like we're this like little sexual treat for guys. We've mm-hmm. all been in those shoes yeah. of being yeah. like, okay, well, this is how I get their attention. Let me be cute. Let me be sexy. Let me make him happy. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you learn very quickly that as soon as that sex is over, they could be right out the door. And for me, that was the case for a lot of the times that they were out the door and I'd be sitting there like, "Uh uh-oh, guess all my worth went out the door right with them. Yeah, until they want more. And the the challenge with building on relationships like that and why why it's important to meet each other more equally in terms of like who's bringing who pleasure is like I, I can look at my last very long-term relationship and we had that like cat and mouse thing right mm. like where the sex was great but everything else wasn't mm-hmm. and so yeah much of our relationship was based on his desire to have sex with me mm-hmm. me playing the game and eventually submitting and then when life got real and real stuff happened or we were living lives for our own enjoyment outside of the sexual sense. We were living completely separate lives, right? Like that's not yeah. sustainable long-term. I don't no. Think. And what you're describing, and this could be a whole other episode, but when you're raised in environments that are not always emotionally healthy and you're not given those emotional platforms, like you and I've talked about plenty of times and we talk about in other episodes, um, typically, you see this type of person grown who, to an adult who uses sex to connect emotionally yeah. because there is so much emotion that is shared in those moments during orgasm, especially. So if you're someone who's not necessarily emotionally available and expressive and you're not accustomed to that, having sex is like the best, easiest way to do it, right? Because again, it goes back to that primitive part of your brain. It's the yeah. easiest part. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I highlight in this episode is Sex is the easy part. And then you have me go, let's talk now. Right. (laughs) Okay, let's sit down and do our taxes together. No, no, I'm out the door. I'm going to go play football with my friends. Um, But no, true intimacy is after the sexual drive and that the foreplay of, you know, the sexy photos and the lead up to it and then the sex. After that is the real intimacy. So here's a confession. Because I had been conditioned to that type of relationship for so long that outside of that relationship, when I had interactions with more evolved men uh-huh. who, <laughs> who afterwards would want to just hang out. And it didn't necessarily mean we were like in love, but like spend time and just be around each other without that. I would get so anxious and not know what to do with myself. Like, yeah oh, they're still around. How do I mm-hmm. even act now? Um, like, right. Because I was just so used to what you said, like, oh, sex is done. They're going to leave. Yeah, right. And to go back to your question before, because I'm like, I don't even, I can't even really give you a concise answer because it's a combination of so many things throughout my journey and therapy and learning about myself. But I really became so aware of two different versions of myself. Just say, let's, let's say I, I would go on dates as a sexual kitten where I'd be very on. Like hyped up for what what's ahead. Like, hey. But not even consciously. So that's that's the thing is I had to really work on figuring out who I was showing up as. 
And I didn't realize, and, and anyone that knows me knows I dress very sexually. And I always joke when it's my birthday and all the girls are going out, I'm like, tight and sexy, right? Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm we're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been that way. And I, I actually never carried shame about the way I dress. No, and you should. Um, but that's who I'm showing up as on a date, right? I probably have cleavage. I have tight skirts on or a dress or something. My makeup is done to the nine. And I am... You're living those curves in all their glory. Right. However, on the flip side, this is what a man is seeing, that that's who's showing up. And I'm also probably flirtatious in a different way. Along my journey, I've noticed that there's, and, and it's also contingent on the men. And that's how I've learned, for me, the right type of man to date. Because the guy that is receptive to that, that version of me, like the sexual kitten or the sexualized kitten, that's not for me at this age. Like there's another version of me that goes on dates that dresses much more casually and I don't accentuate my cleavage and my curves and this like rotatious. Does that feel like you're inhibiting a part of yourself or you just feel like no, this is how I want to connect now? Yes. I feel like... The sexual part of me is always going to be there, but I want that to be more of a surprise, like not what you're signing up for, because the reality is I'm not always going to be, I'm not always going to look like this. I'm going to get old at some point and, you know, looks are going to fade and, and the reality is you're going to be, you're going to hit a Sunday in the relationship at some point and the laundry's not going to be done and you're going to have your hair up and you're going (laughs) to You say Sunday. Old. It's like every weekday. It's like don't catch me after six p.m. My pajamas are on. Exactly. My hair's up. I'm, you know, don't. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and it's really funny. One of my patients, I she told me this, and I was like, wow, that's so inspiring. She told me she never wears makeup on dates and doesn't get dressed up because she doesn't yeah. want to set that standard. And I'm like, same. I like that because yeah. then your expectation is to be dolled up all the time, and you know that really, really horrific. I do not story. have that work in me. <laughs> like no. I. I'm I'm rolling the dice and hoping to meet a guy when I'm out in my like mom gear, yoga pants and and t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what you're going to get most. But of the again, time. <laughs> going back to the type of men that you're attracting, yeah. I am subliminally calling on these less evolved, I want to say like animalistic men that are like, "Ooh, yeah, sex, let's do it." Yeah. And and I I wanted to touch on this also because it's something I talk about with my patients in regards to dating is I just learned this recently and I'm like, this is crazy because this is just like a change in the game where I've gone on dates where men present with their sexuality. This happened actually not that long ago where a man- Tell me about this. Oh yeah. He took me on a date. I did tell you. So I go on the date. Meanwhile, I've been talking to this guy, you know, the- Banter's good, like good conversation, very intellectual. We get on the date and all of a sudden he's making like very innocuous comments, but leading up to like, oh, you could come up to my apartment and like, I don't know, it just like sexual stuff. And then I caught him looking at my ass when I went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, this, this is done. But I decided like, this is a good conversation to have. So I very directly told him like, hey, I'm not here for sex. And I literally told him, I'm not impressed by your penis. Uh, (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) It was great. It was actually a really cool moment. 
because, um, I mean, before I said I'm not impressed by your penis. Well, can we take this back? Wait, let's talk about dick pics. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, let me finish this story before we get into dick pics because, <laughs> whew, oh, dick pics. So I don't so, understand. All right, go on. <laughs> so this man, after I'm talking about like, hey, I'm not here for sex, I'm actually looking for a partner. Um, he says to me, oh, well, like, I won't judge you because, you know, I've had sex on first dates before and it's resulted in relationships and I know people that don't. And I'm like, I stopped and ran his tracks and I said, I don't give a shit about you judging me. I'm judging you. And he was like, what? And I'm like, I am judging you because if you are offering up your penis to me on the first night. The same way women are, if they would offer their bodies on the first night, we'd be judged. Yeah. You are telling me that that's all that you feel that you have to offer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, so I was, um, I was swiping around on the dating app this weekend and this dude right away, he's like, Hey, can we move to phone? Can I have your phone number? Mm -hmm. So, and usually they do that to get you off the app. So you're not looking at other men. So oh, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, he's eager. Let's give him my phone number. Yeah. So I did it, jumped on the texting, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Sunday, hanging with my son. And he goes, yeah, if I was with you right now, I could really get turned on. And I'm like, <laughs> huh. <laughs> okay. And mm -hmm. he's like, could you get turned on too? And I said, are you trying to sext me after I told you I'm sitting here with my son on a Sunday? <laughs> like, yeah, I think he was. What is wrong with you? And he goes, I just, you know, I'm sex positive. And I was like, I don't think that's like really what sex positive has to mean. Like, that's not. <laughs> not for you. So like, just where not you were. Not for your like, gender. I was I'm judging sorry. this guy and I was like, I literally had two minutes of texting with you and you want me to get off via words yeah. like I don't yeah. even know what you look like yeah let me sex with you <laughs> yeah yeah I know I'm the same way I get turned off when guys are like hey we just met we texted twice like but okay let's do the dick pic because seriously there is not a single time the dick pic has been brought up with me present in a conversation amongst women where there wasn't at least a tone of Oh yeah, I'm not taking this guy seriously, but check out his dick, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and men, I'm sorry, but we share all your dick pics with each other. Oh, absolutely do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's like uh, yeah, oh, but it's also because work of art. <laughs> you guys made it a thing that we should see your dicks, right? And <laughs> apparently, we're supposed to just get all hot and bothered by it. But we're all giggling together at brunch showing each other dick pics. <laughs> I think, okay, in defense of dick pics, only because Go I always have it. to defend the other side, I think it's a matter of where you are in the relationship. If you're well in a relationship at all, fair. You guys are sending sexy photos. Oh, I'm all and for then it. you're not sharing them probably. With no, them. no, no, definitely not. But if you are just meeting someone and you're just getting to know them, Please don't send your genitalia. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> if I haven't tried it on yet, don't send me a picture. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I like that. If I haven't tried it on yet. Yeah, right. 
Because for us, there's so much more attached to it. Like just oh some random yes. genitalia. It's like, oh, that's <laughs> yes. probably gross. If we've been sleeping together and I know you and I have feelings for you, oh, all right, cool. That could be yeah, a turn on, maybe. Exactly, exactly. Also, dependent on like the, the context, I shouldn't be with my children or but, at work. Okay. Yeah, exact, exactly. Um, but that brings us to a point you had made prior to us hitting record today, which is this notion of the patriarchy and how mm. it actually is disempowering to men just as much oh, as yeah. it is to women because oh, of yeah. the limitations it sets on them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you brought that back because you and I are giggling like little schoolgirls, which is fine <laughs> because this episode is for the women, but um, we never intend on pointing the finger or hurting anyone. Um, but the reality is, yes, this is like the patriarchy and the notion that women, men have been taught that they are um, sexually empowered because they really have a lot of power and how much semen they can spread, literally. And the idea that they are supposed to financially support us and be the stable ones. We are evolving as a human species, right? So on the flip side, the women, we're not, we don't need as much like we don't need the hunter gatherers anymore where we're stuck home with the infants and you guys have to go out and make yeah. the money and kill the, the boars in the wild. Like we're making our own money and you guys are pulling out and spreading your seed all over my bed sheet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. But no, um, I, this is a good point though, in all seriousness, because it's, it's disheartening to me. And there's, um, the guy on Instagram, the something professor, oh, I forget his name, but I sent one of his videos to you the other day. The speech professor. Yes. The speech professor. Love is, him. I know. I love him. I love him because he's a man that talks about how men are also disadvantaged by the patriarchy and the standards that are set for men. Because if you really read between the lines, a lot of these standards and expectations actually minimize a man's capabilities and intellect. Because again, it, it really goes back to like, let's focus on the biological primitive drives of supporting us financially and spreading their sexual seed, right? Um, so again, as human beings evolving, women have contraceptives now. So the goal of sex does not need to be to procreate. I think we should really sad that you just said women have contraceptives now. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is kind of sad. The responsible for it. <laughs> right. Unfortunately. Yeah. But there is a whole narrative that men are claiming nowadays that women were asking for too much we're too much and when women are so complicated and men are so simple i'm like well you're dumbing yourself down then you're not that simple like there's so many i think like misconstrued ideas of what makes up a man and a woman men are not stupid they're not that limited but all of these beliefs that the patriarchy has kind of said limits them in a way that they don't even recognize like i dated a guy i probably shared this with you who told me that women have a list of things that they need from men and it, the list goes on and on and they're so complicated and men have a short list and I'm pretty sure there were two things, maybe it was three things on his list. I think it was food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm not making this up. I think it was food, 
sports and blowjobs. Oh I'm not kidding. Blowjobs. And, oh, and, and the antidote was okay. blowjobs while I watch sports. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, so that's cool. Let me put on my cheerleading skirt and let's do a role play and I'll give you a blowjob while you watch football and I'll be minimized to this young lady that has nothing else to offer. And he said, that's not what it is, um, blah, blah, blah. And I said, again, you know, I'm happy to play sex roles and engage in sexuality. That's great. That's one factor in a relationship, right? The other side is everything else I have to bring to the table as a woman, as do you. Like, let's talk about that. You're that simplistic that all you need is a blowjob while you're watching sports and then you need to eat. You probably need to sleep at some point too, but you have no higher intellect. Well, that's like, him basically stating he wants a relationship like the little baby girl relationships we had where it was like sex and then just go away. Like it's really just based in that. It's alarming. But let's get let's get real about like what are what do you have to offer us? Because the reality is I think and we've had these collective conversations with groups of women our age where one of the biggest things that women just want to feel is supported and safe. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then we'll just, we can play. If you, if you're part of building a supportive, safe space for us to exist in. Yeah. We will dress up like that cheerleader. <laughs> right. Most of us. <laughs> Sounds like fun actually. Yeah. We get a cheerleading skirt that'll fit me. <laughs> If it doesn't fit and there's a little cheek hanging, that's even cute, you know? <laughs> right. Right. But you can't start with that. It's like, I mean, let's talk about, this is something I always talk to my patients about. And this is, it's it's in the same context of like what each of us have to offer. And a lot of the times we'll be in relationships and there's, I've had it and my young female patients have had this. The relationship does not last because the man is not giving enough. He's not doing enough in the relationship. Oh, yeah. And the woman keeps spoking, I need more, I need more, I need more. And, and then they become a nag and she just, she's never pleased. She never gets everything she wants. She always wants more. Right. And when we want more, it's generally like a more emotional connection, maybe a little bit more depth to yeah. our relationship more than blowjobs and sports, um, you know, show up for me when I need you, Yeah, support me, validate me, right? Like be there for the important things. Um, not just pay my bills, right? Cause again, and I posted this a while ago, it's like, we want more than your wallets and your penises now. Like that's not impressive anymore. And you must believe as a man that you have more to offer. I believe that is true. Where are you guys? Please call us. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please call us. <laughs> but my point is, and this is this is a good one, um, the men that don't show up in the relationship and then we break up and then guess what? The men come back and they want to have sex and all of a sudden they're like a really good version of themselves. And a lot of my patients are like, Why? they're giving you everything you had just wanted. And suddenly it's so easy for them to do. It's yeah. so easy. All of a sudden, right? And I've been there and my my patients have been there where we're going, Why wasn't I good enough to be for you to be like this in the relationship? It's always for women, why wasn't I good enough? Why am I not good enough? Here's the reality. 
I, the women, my patients will ask me, why weren't they showing up for me or doing these things when we were in the relationship? And I say, because they were never qualified. These men were never qualified for the full-time position of being your partner. Instead, they have, they've demoted themselves to the internship. And guess what? The internship is a better fit for them. They are still getting some of the benefits, right? They get the sex, they get to call you when they want, they get to be happy and they feel more empowered in this limited position because they were never qualified to be with you. And that's something a lot of us need to understand. Yeah. And you have to decide, are you looking for an intern? Are you looking for a CEO? (laughs) That's right. That's right. And a lot of people, and again, this is probably happens on both sides, men and women, but please don't lie on your resume. (laughs) Like it's really fucked up. You show up for a job, you lie on your resume, you get the position. And then six months in, you're like, oh, fuck, I can't keep up with this work. Who are we? We were just talking to someone about this. Oh, Allie mm. from um, Finding Mr. Height. Allie from Finding Mr. Height. Mm-hmm. Her big, and that was a good episode we just did with her recently. Her big shift in in even starting her her practice of coaching women through dating was the realization that she was putting herself out there to play a part for men. Mm, like the and, most, most of us, yeah. Yeah, and it hit her, why don't I just advertise me for exactly who I am? Mm-hmm. And it's okay if it doesn't work out. And yeah, it's the reality. Like we, yeah. I mean, I say it to men too. Like I, I just wish we can all just, just be more transparent. That's a dream. It's a far off, far off dream. <laughs> But yes, it's, yeah, if if you're on a dating app and you're going on dates and you're meeting people and you say, I'm just looking for something casual, great. You are applying for the internship. You can have it. And again, and going that's back fine. to- fine. There's plenty yeah. of people that want that too. Sure. And you can have an intern on the side while you're looking for a full-time employee, right? Absolutely. Like, And that's what I told that guy on the date was, I will judge you if you're trying to have sex with me on the first date, um, if that's what you're here for. Sure, cool. We could. I did not, but in in a, a, a like an older version, or I would say a younger version of myself, um, I would have and said, okay, this will be a sexual relationship only. But I am still seriously looking for a full time qualified individual for the full time position. So, just just be honest about what's on your resume and what you're actually qualified for, because you can pretend the first few months of the job, but once it gets hard. You can't keep up with the work. Women are going to turn around and go, well, we weren't enough. And it's not, it's not always us. It's, I mean, it's never for any human being that you're not enough. That's like, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a clear message. But women, we always think we were not enough for the relationship. We were only good enough for the sex. And that's completely ass backwards (laughs) because a lot of men don't feel that they are good enough. And they have more to offer than their wallets or their penises. I've said penis a few times on this episode, but that's all good. (laughs) I love the penis. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Cracked Up. Angelica and I are very excited about the episodes we have ahead where we talk about everything from trauma, recovery, self-worth, and so much more affecting our mental health today. If you have a show idea or a topic you'd like us to explore more, please reach out. 
Yeah, like Randy said, we'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram. That's at cracked underscore up triple underscore. You can message us there. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple. You can also find us on YouTube and TikTok. Thank you again for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for any type of medical advice.